Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today, this is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hest. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is an in-house production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. This is Matt Zemek, and we're previewing Pac-12 football for 2022. It's that time of year. It's August. Polls are out. Uh, the pads are popping in preseason camp. And so we have Zach Neal, the editor of Ducks Wire, and Jack Carlo, the editor of Buffalo's Wire our other uh, Pac-12 team sites as part of the College Wire Network to preview the Pac-12 season. And so this episode, you've heard them talk about realignment. You've heard them talk about their respective teams, Oregon and Colorado. This is going to be Pac-12 prediction time. So to start the show, let's go into your top five. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to pick one through 12. Uh, you, you can if you'd like, but I'm, I just want to make sure to get your top five teams in the Pac-12 for 2022. Let's start with Zach over at Ducks Wire. All right. My top five, I'm going to start with Utah, and then I'm going USC, Oregon, UCLA, and then Washington State. That's who I think the top five will be. All right. So now that you've given your top five, explain uh, why you have USC ahead of Oregon, because I know that the fans in Eugene would probably – send some Arizona State Sun Devil-style pitchforks your way uh, <laughs> for that prediction. So, what you know, that's a that's a not an easy call for you to make up there in the Pacific Northwest. Why would you uh, put USC ahead of Oregon? I just – I really want to have a level, level head going into this season, and I don't want to get, you know, expectations too high. I think the Ducks will be very good. I don't think USC will be a ton better. But, you know, you look at what USC has. They have a more experienced head coach. They've got probably a more talented quarterback, if we're being completely honest, and a more talented set of skill position players. I know there's there's some faults on the roster, but, you know, they've been to the party before, especially with Lincoln Riley, and I like what he's doing down there with his team. That's no, no knock on Oregon at all. But like I said earlier in our, uh, our Oregon podcast, Dan Lanning is a rookie head coach. You know, those lights are going to be pretty bright. And, you know, I have a lot of faith that he's going to be able to step up to the plate and be a great head coach. But, you know, we don't know that 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 may take a year or two before he really establishes himself as a great game manager and someone that can really, you know, feel the flow of the game and find the ins and outs of it. So um, I think Oregon will be really good. But if I make a prediction, I think that USC might finish the, the season ranked ahead of them. 
All right, Jack, let's get your top five in the Pac-12 for 2022. Yeah, so I'm going to go USC number one, uh, Oregon number two. And I hate to be another guy that sleeps on Utah, but I'm going to go Utah three, uh, UCLA four, and then I'm going to go Washington State five. All right. So I have to ask you, Jack, why indeed are you sleeping on the Utah Utes? Like, why would you do that? I, okay. Maybe sleeping was the wrong word. I'm just going to say I'm more confident in uh, USC and Oregon. Utah is also a great team, but I just have more confidence in those two schools um, with solid new head coaches, um, solid quarterback situations. Not that Cam Rising's bad. Um, I think he's also, you know, maybe the Pac-12's best quarterback. Um, but I'm just going to hey, say. Well, if yeah. okay. Well, let me just stop you right there. If you, if you say that Cam Rising's, you know, probably the Pac-12's best quarterback, that would seem to s- suggest that Utah is going to be just fine. So there's there has to be something on Utah's roster that you see as not measuring up. So my, my sense is that you think Utah's defense without Devin Lloyd is going to get exposed by Caleb Williams and mm-hmm. USC, also by uh, Dan Lanning's offense when the Utes make the trip to Eugene in November. I would assume that's your line of analysis on this. I would agree with that, yes. Okay, all right. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just hard to have sustained success. And um, yeah, not that, you know, Kyle Whittingham is another, you know, one of the Pac-12's best head coaches. Um, but I just think... You know, with all of the additions that USC had this offseason, especially, yeah, a former few former buffs, um, which was rough. I just have kind of a lot of money on them. And, uh, yeah, Oregon's also going to be solid with, yeah, Dan Lanning and Bo Nix. Well, we, hey, you know, we don't want you to lose money. I mean, so, you know, if USC... <laughs> no, figuratively. figuratively. If, USC, <laughs> if USC delivers the goods, you know, then Jack Carlo makes money, yeah. so we like that. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, so you know there is a there is an obvious sense that you know last year's Pac-12. Let's be honest, it was pretty weak. I mean, you know, and and hey, Zach, your your Ducks had a pretty good season, getting to the Pac-12 championship game, beating Ohio State with Anthony Brown at quarterback. Like that's some good coaching. That that is a well coached team to be able to overcome Anthony Brown's limitations and make the championship game and beat Ohio State on the road in Columbus. So like there was some good coaching going on, but again, Anthony Brown was Oregon's quarterback. And so the ceilings for PAC 12 teams last year were relatively low. And it's interesting that the Utah coaching staff, Kyle Whittingham felt that Charlie Brewer, not Kim rising uh, deserved to be the starter at the beginning of the season. There's an obvious parallel there with a story that USC fans are well aware of in 2016 Clay Helton memorably started Max Brown in week one against Alabama. It took him four weeks to get Sam Darnold into the lineup. So you saw a similar situation with Utah last year with Charlie Brewer starting the first few games of the season. And only when things went south did Whittingham go to Cam Rising, and he did it just in time to save Utah's season. But the larger point being, guys, that you know the, the ceilings were not very high last year's Pac-12 team. So now with Lincoln Riley coming in at USC, there is a sense, certainly USC fans think this, and it's something I think as well. The ceiling was so low last year that Lincoln Riley is going to raise that ceiling 
this year. And that's why even though USC was four and eight last year, I, I see the Trojans as the team with the inside track uh, to the Pac-12 championship. So let's let's get at that particular question. You know, how how high or low did you think the floor was or the ceiling was for Pac-12 football last year? Do you think that this is a significantly improved conference this year? Or do you have kind of a wait and see attitude on that question? Let's start with you, Jack, and then we'll go to Zach. Um, I think mostly wait and see, but at least the bottom of the conference is going to be better um, with Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah, Herm Edwards needs to get it together quick if he wants to keep his job. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think the bottom of the conference is going to be better. We're not going to see a a one-win season from Arizona, which is going to yeah, obviously make the Pac-12 look a lot better. Um, how many how many games will Arizona win? I'm going to say three. Go three, yeah. Um, and yeah, Arizona State probably in that neighborhood too, maybe a little bit more. Um, and also the middle of the conference, I think, is going to be a little bit better too. Uh, Cal kind of had an up-and-down season. Um, I think Stanford is going to be probably about the same, maybe a little bit better. Um, then you got your Washington States, Oregon States, and Washington. Um, I'm still not quite totally confident in those three schools, but I think through and through, the Pac-12 just has better depth this year and, uh, yeah, better kind of top three schools too with USC, Oregon, and Utah. All right, Zach, how would you assess this year's Pac-12 compared to last year's? I think it's, I mean, I think it's going to find the same problem that the Pac-12 finds year after year where there are actually some really good teams, but they end up just beating up on each other and eating each other alive. I mean, like Jack was saying, Arizona, I don't think is a terrible team anymore with Jaden Delora at quarterback. Washington State with Cameron Ward at quarterback can be pretty good. I actually have them as like a sleeper in the Pac-12 North and someone that Oregon is going to see, I think, week four of the season and can be an actual, you know, interesting game. Oregon State's a pretty good team. Washington, we'll see what they can do with the new coaching staff. But, you know, there's some actually really solid teams. And while last year I think that the Pac-12 got, you know, the short end of the stick, at least as far as the national perception went, you know, they, they stood up pretty well in some big games. Like we mentioned earlier, Oregon's win against Ohio State was huge at the start of the year. And then let's not forget Utah's performance against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl last year. I mean, that was an incredibly fun game to watch, and Utah almost pulled it out. So um, I think that there was a, a poor national perception of the conference last year as a whole. But if you really look at some of the individual games, I mean, the, the good teams stood up well and played pretty well against other good teams in the nation. But like I said, the Pac-12 just, I mean, year after year, Oregon loses to your Arizona. I mean, teams just lose to like not, I mean, considered bad teams in the conference, but you know, the bad teams are still can still win a lot of games if they were in a different conference. So that there's there's a lot of decent to good teams in the conference. So um I think we'll see that again this year. It's just whether or not, you know, the top two or three teams can avoid those stupid losses throughout the season. Can I also add a little bit to that too? Um sure. Yeah, I'll just add that, yeah, Colorado was neck and neck with Texas A&M uh, pretty much until the last exactly. couple minutes of the fourth quarter there. But, like, at the same time, as you were kind of saying, like, especially as we saw, like, in bowl games, um, 
against like Mountain West schools, um, the Pac-12 struggled. And I think that kind of just trumped everything from the national perspective. Um, yeah, just like those BYUs, Utah States, um, yeah, San Diego States. Um, just losing to those schools kind of made the Pac-12, I think, look worse than maybe it actually is or maybe, you know, what it's capable of doing. What was the Pac-12's record in bowl games? Wasn't it 0-6 last I think year? It, I don't I, I don't think they won one. I'm pretty sure it was 0-6, which is just, yeah, that's all you need to know. But Yeah. Well, Washington State getting kicked around by Central Michigan uh, in El Paso. <laughs> that, that was uh, – yeah. That was that was rock bottom right there. Yeah, that's um, a low point. Yes. So let's continue with your top fives. You both have UCLA fourth, Washington State fifth. Now everyone agrees that you know USC, Oregon, Utah in some order. Doesn't matter which. Those are the top three teams in the conference that is widely agreed upon. So with UCLA fourth and Washington State fifth, how much of a gap is there between the top three and then UCLA and Wazoo? Uh, start with you, Zach, and then go to Jack. I don't think there's that much of a gap, really, at least between the top three and UCLA. Um, I saw earlier in the season that UCLA was getting some buzz in the, the latter half of the top 25. That's kind of slowed down a little bit. But the fact that QB Dorian Thompson-Robinson chose to come back for another year, uh, I mean, that, I think that means a lot. He's a really good player, and I'm excited to see what he can do with Zach Charbonnet running back. And just another year of Chip Kelly's offense down there, I mean, that that. I think they are actually going to be impressive this year and probably at least give Oregon some trouble. I mean, that's a game that I have circled. That's not going to be an easy win for Oregon. And I'm sure you probably feel the same way with USC. I mean, they're a solid team and they can give you a, a really good fight. I would not at all be surprised to see them at one point ranked in, you know, 15, 17, 19 range, somewhere around there. But uh, I, yeah, I really think that they should be considered one of the better teams in the conference. So there's not a huge gap between the top three of them. Jack, how would you come at the, that question in terms of where UCLA and Wazoo stand relative to the top three? Big gap, small gap? How would you how would you uh, look at that? I'd say maybe a little bit bigger than what it sounds like uh, Zach was saying, but yeah, again with DTR and. Uh, Charbonnet with uh, UCLA, they're going to have a solid offense. I think Jake Bobo is another piece um, that's coming back. Um, I think they're going to put up a lot of points. Um, we saw them did that, do that against the Buffs last year. Um, yeah, Washington State, we didn't see them last year um, with the Buffs, against the Buffs. Um, but I think they're right there. I think Jake Deeker is going to have a good year. Um, yeah, Cameron Ward also expectations high there. Um, yeah, I just see kind of that program turning around again after kind of an average year last year and kind of a, maybe they'll even be, uh, motivated by that horrible goal game loss. Um, yeah, so I think, I mean, UCLA is going to be a step ahead of Washington state still probably a big step. Um, but they're, they're, they're in the ballpark at least. Can I add something, Matt? Sure. So in ESPN's latest uh, mock draft, they had Cameron Ward as the number six overall pick. And I think he was probably the, I believe it was the fourth quarterback off the board. But, you wow. know, if that happens, if he has that type of season, all yes. bets are off in the Pac-12 yes. North. I mean, that mm -hmm. means, he, I mean, 
we saw that he did it incarnate. We didn't see it. I don't know anyone that watches incarnate ward football, but we've seen the <laughs> stats and the numbers that he put up with that school. And I mean, he's a talented player. And if he can translate that to, you know, to Washington state's program and actually give that offense a boost like that, you know, Washington state can really make some noise and they can, you know, make a run at the PAC 12 North. I know the divisions don't really matter anymore as far as conference championship go, but uh, I'd be really interested to see. That's why I think that, yes, their, their floor is, is relatively low, but their ceiling is as high as anyone. So I would not be surprised if they find themselves into a top 25 ranking this year. All right. So you had, you gave me your top fives, obviously a team that didn't make the top five for either of your lists, Oregon state. What was it that prevented Oregon state from making the top five in your list? Let's start with you, Zach, since, you know, you hate the beavers up there in, in duck land. <laughs> uh, so like people might say, ah, you're just trying to knock Oregon state down a peg, but you know, Hey, you're an excellent football analyst. You're a serious uh, sports thinker. What is it when you look at that roster in Corvallis that kept you from putting Oregon state in the top five? Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And second, I don't think Oregon – I mean, if we were to, to rank our 12 teams, I don't think Oregon State is that far down the list. I mean, look at the Pac-12 media poll, and they're number five behind UCLA. I mean, we put Washington State ahead of them. I did that because of their quarterback situation. But Oregon State could be a solid team this year. We sh- they showed last year that they're, you know, they're not a, the, the bottom dweller of the Pac-12 anymore. Um, I think with Chance Nolan at quarterback, you got Deshaun, Deshaun Fenwick at running back and – and Jonathan Smith really has something good going up in Corvallis. Um, I don't know that they would be making a run at the Pac-12 championship game, but if they went and won seven or eight games, I would not at all be surprised. They're really turning things around. They've got a solid defense as well. Um, yeah, I think just kind of the way that they ended last season, um, they played competitively against Oregon, definitely, but kind of that loss to Utah state that kind of lowered my confidence uh, with the Beavers a little bit, but just looking at kind of the all pack 12 teams here, there's a lot of Beavers. Um, you got Brandon Kipper um, on the offensive line. I think they have another offensive lineman too. Yeah. Joshua Gray. Um, I think their offense is going to be pretty solid overall with, yeah. Chance no one having some experience last year coming back. Um yeah, defense, you got Omar Spites is a first-team defender. Um, yeah, so I, I think they're probably like my number six right now. I thought about putting them number five, but then I also remember uh, kind of that double overtime game last year against the Buffs, and yeah, my confidence with them just kind of dropped a little bit too. Um, then you remembered it's Oregon State. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> uh, just not, yeah, not a proven program quite yet. Um, but yeah, we'll see what they can do this year. Yeah, they have some talent for sure. All right. And so another team uh, worth talking about, uh, the Washington Huskies, uh, you know, another we're, we're dealing with basically the, the enemies of Duxwire here. Um, so, you know, Kalen DeBoer coming into Seattle, Zach, what, what do you, what's your overview of, of DeBoer? And, you know, obviously the Jimmy Lake was just a magnificent, wonderful disaster. You know, the Huskies were awful. Just music to your ears up in, up there in Eugene. Are you worried about what Kalen DeBoer is doing? I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're focused primarily on what Oregon and Dan Lanning are doing. But like, do you think that Kalen DeBoer's uh, going to get it right? Going to get it fixed at Washington? What's your overall evaluation of that coaching hire from the offseason? 
Man, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, when of course you hope not. Wreck, but how, what's your what what's your what's your sense of the situation up there on Montlake? I think he is a solid coach, and if they can figure out their offense and their quarterback situation in particular, I think they can be a really good team because they do recruit at a decently high level. They have a solid defense with with Zion at the edge, and they've got some really good players. And you know, but they've got a three three quarterback race, and you know, whoever comes out of that, I don't know how much confidence you have in him. Uh, right now, Michael Penix, the uh, the transfer from I think it was Indiana. Yep. Uh, Dylan Morris and Sam Heward. Those are some some highly rated players. I mean, high, highly rated quarterbacks coming out of high school. Uh, I mean, we just have to see. It's it's tough to know what we're going to see from them because any Washington fan will tell you that last year was just a wash. I mean, the way that that Jimmy Lake tenure ended was you know just a beautiful train wreck to watch. But um, I just think that the Huskies need so much stability right now. Um, it's tough that they're being thrown into a lot of conference realignment talks too, but I'm sure that they they just really want some stability after last year and, and to get back into the mix. It's one of the better Pac-12 teams. All right. Uh, Jack, I'm not going to ask you about DeBoer because I just wanted to get like, you know, the behind enemy lines style take from Zach since Oregon uh-huh. and Washington is such a bitter, nasty rivalry. What I want to ask you is, when does Herm Edwards get fired at Arizona State? What's what's your time <laughs> on that? What's your timetable in terms of when you think that's finally going to happen? He definitely has a short leash. Um, I'm going to say if they fall maybe three games under 500. Um, I mean, they're also coming to the year with a new quarterback. I believe Emory Jones is going to be their guy. I think yep. Florida transfer. Yep. Um, right. So... That could be kind of a tough transition to just, you know, having a new him learning a new system. So maybe they'll give him some leeway there. But I say if the Sun Devils fall maybe three games under 500, I think that will be enough for Herm Edwards. Um, but again, I think they were in a bowl game last year too, right? Um, so it's just, yeah, just the way last season ended was kind of, yeah, it was rough for them. Um but it's a new year, and I think the higher ups at Arizona State will give them, yeah, at least three games under 500. All right. As we close our show on Pac 12 predictions, just give me one bold prediction for the season, like something that you have in mind that no one else is saying or that you aren't hearing or reading about anywhere else. It could be a player, it could be a team, it could be a coach firing could be like a team that makes a particular bowl game, anything on the board. Uh, so, you know, as I tee this up for you, and I'll start with you, Zach, then I'll go to Jack. What What is kind of your one big prediction for Pac-12 football in the 2022 season? I think that hmm, it may not seem like a big enough prediction to say that Arizona makes a bowl game. But I think oh, that's that a make big a bowl... prediction. No, that's I know a that's big a big call. prediction. That's a big. Call. I think they make a bowl game and finish in the the middle as a respectable team in the Pac-12. I think Jen Dolora does a lot with them. They had a really good recruiting class coming in, and um, Tetsuro McMillan, who was a former Oregon commit, who flipped after uh, after Mario left. He's being widely picked to be the Pac-12 offensive freshman of the year. Um, I think they can really get something going down there. And I would not be surprised to, to see them playing late in December. All right, Jack Carlo, your one big prediction for Pac-12 football in 2022. Um, 
<laughs> I'm going to say USC makes the college football playoff. Is that, is that Whoa. bold enough? Whoa. Whoa. Is that bold enough? Whoa. You guys are you guys are calling your shot. I mean, this is this is serious. Babe Ruth, Game Three of the 1932 <laughs> World Series stuff, right here. I love it. They'll be that number four team for sure. But um, if they get it, we will take it, Jack. I mean, where where okay. do I sign on the dotted line? <laughs> I mean, I'm just yeah. Caleb Williams, uh, Brendan Rice is going to have a great year. Makai Blackman, um, yeah. two, two former buffs. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's gonna hurt. Travis Dye, a former deck. Yeah, him too. Yeah, they've just pretty much poached everybody from the Pac-12. So, um, yeah, I think they're gonna have a good year, even though it yeah hurts me to say that as a Buffs fan. Well, so that that certainly ends our uh, Pac-12 uh, preview show on a very very high note. We'll obviously <laughs> see if USC lives up to those expectations. Uh, and just for people who you know have been listening to me. Uh, maybe over the spring or, or you know, in, in the winter. And, you know, it might, that's several years ago, uh, several years, several months ago. It feels like several years. Uh, my my assessment of USC is, you know, win the Pac-12, but at the very least, I think the floor for USC is make a New Year's Six game. So if USC loses the Pac-12 title game, but lands in, let's say, the Cotton Bowl against the group of five champion, like that should be the floor. That should be the minimum uh, standard for USC, but you know, getting back to these New Year's Six games on a regular basis, and really, realistically, you know, winning the Pac-12. I'm not sure about the playoff because you have Notre Dame there in the final game of the regular season. That's going to be a heavy lift in year one for Lincoln Riley. But I think you know, getting to that New Year's Six standard and staying there, that is what USC really is supposed to be doing under Lincoln Riley. So playoff would be amazing, but New Year's Six. From my uh, perspective, that's really the the absolute must-make goal for the Trojans in 2022. Zachary Neal is the editor of Ducks Wire. You want to follow what he, Don Smalley, and Andy Padden, the team there at Ducks Wire, are doing great coverage of realignment. And they're going to have you uh, fully covered for the upcoming Oregon-Georgia game in week one. You, know, you want to get the inside read on Oregon Ducks football heading into that major week one clash. You know, hey, USC is going to be playing Rice. So, like, you know, you, you will want to be watching Oregon and Georgia instead of USC versus Rice. Let's just be honest about that one. So you want to follow what Zach Neal and the team at Ducks Wire are doing for that big showdown. And then Jack Carlo over at Buffs Wire. You know, hey, this is going to be a very interesting season for Colorado. You know, Jack is optimistic about the Buffs. TCU is projected to be the last place team in the Big 12. So in that week one game, like that is a pickoff opportunity. That is a winnable game for the Buffs. They're, they're a nine-point <laughs> underdog right now. But that is a very realistic win opportunity. Jack mm -hmm. also mentioned on the show that, you know, hey, Colorado almost beat Texas A&M uh, early last year in Denver. So if Colorado could scare A&M, even in a year when Colorado wasn't especially good, can certainly beat Sonny Dykes, uh, the first-year head coach, at TCU. So you're going to want to follow Buffs Wire, Colorado Buffalo's Wire, and what Jack's team is doing covering that game in week one against the Horned Frogs. You know, Power Five action. We love all those Power Five games in week one. So you have Ducks Wire and Buffs Wire giving you complete coverage of those games and their teams uh, throughout this Pac 12 football season. Zach Neal, Jack Carlo, thanks so much for joining me on the Trojans Wired podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.
Thanks, Matt. Great to be on.